Welcome to the Scrum.org Community Podcast, a podcast from the home of Scrum. In this podcast, we feature professional Scrum trainers and other Scrum practitioners sharing their stories and experiences to help learn from the experience of others. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to the Scrum.org Community Podcast. I'm your host, Dave West, CEO here at Scrum.org. Today's podcast is focused on the journey of one of our professional Scrum trainers at PST. Um, Yavel Yvette has joined our podcast today. Welcome to the podcast, Yavel. Hi, Dave. Great to be here. Good to talk to you again. Thanks for, thanks for coming. Um, well, our, our listeners really like to know where you're speaking to us from, Yavel. Where are you speaking to us from today? Uh, greater Boston area. I think you're familiar that's yes, just not that far away from from me isn't it funny that we see each other more frequently electronically than in person but the nature of the world that we live in today okay so a gray and cold um boston afternoon we're talking to you talking together um all right let's start let's let's start talking about why we are here tell us a little bit about your background hmm. So I used to do DevSecOps before there was a, even the name for that, before DevOps was even the thing back in the 90s in the Israeli Air Force. So my original uh, story is in uh, IT. And over the years, um, I've also done work in um, product development in um the storage networking world, multiple technology startups uh, back in Israel. And um, some of the time was in the trenches. Um, Some of the time was mixing work in the trenches and leading teams, leading teams of teams. So VP engineering, those kind of uh, roles. That's that's my background uh, in the last... 15 years or so, I've been helping others um, improve how they develop products and eventually how they run and develop their businesses. And and it's interesting. So you sort of developed a, a passion for this, from, from what I've observed, this sort of empirical approach to effectively delivering value to to customers would would that be so like if you're going to have a t-shirt printed with your mission in life would that sum it up or have i completely misunderstood that i mean to be honest about it um when i you know if we dive a bit deeper into the journey i i encountered agile back in 2006 um i don't think I had empiricism in mind as the solution to the problems that uh, we were facing at the time, but I was looking for ways to deal better with uncertainty and uh, and complexity of building products without really knowing how, you know, how they're going to work and how to fit everything together and whether the clients, customers... Um, would really benefit from what we're building. I, I found Scrum. Um, I've learned it, later found uh, Kanban. You know, over the years, I've done 
work at scale with companies like Siemens and HP and CyberArk and Intel. Um, a lot of that work was in the space um, of actually driving Kanban into the enterprise scale and into product development when it was used more for maintenance and operational things at the time. So more into the space where Scrum traditionally uh, plays. And in 2017, when, um, when I, you know, when, when you and the team invited me to um, become, to become a professional Scrum trainer and help bring flow into um, the professional Scrum world, to be honest, that's when um, empiricism had explicitly become um, a much stronger part of my belief system for what makes you know all of those agile behaviors and flow behaviors uh, tick. What what makes them work? Why why are they so uh, powerful? So the brainwash definitely worked. <laughs> Well, thank you. It is interesting. I, we, we also got a lot out of that brainwashing experience. Just uh, for our listeners, uh, Yvelle was heavily involved in the development of our professional scrum of Kanban, the Kanban guide and uh, that, that, we, that we provided, and also really working with our community to introduce the ideas of flow to, to, to our community and provide that consistent terminology and understanding about how Scrum and Kanban and Flow can all work together, which uh, he certainly opened my eyes to what real transparency uh, meant, uh, including the use of a banana skin. But we'll, we, we will talk about that maybe a little later. And that always sticks in my mind. But it, the reason why I brought that up and and, and even though this is perhaps a little bit of a surprise, I didn't mean it to be a trap, but it's because I think that's a really interesting, you called it brainwashing, but you came from very much a transparency flow perspective and then added that empiricism to it. And, and I think that's a, a, a sort of mission that you've taken upon yourself. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the some of the things you're exploring around that sort of mission, particularly, you know, OKRs, scale, scaling and, and the like. Yeah. So in parallel to my work on scaling using Kanban and Flow and Scrum, um, those were the years that um, SAFE became um, a big player in this space. And um, I started looking at, hmm, do I believe it's useful? Uh, what uh, what I like about Safe Small? What uh, needs to be improved? And um, my take on that, which you know might be controversial to some people, I still have you know arguments with others in the uh, professional Scrum community and the Agile community. But my take is that when you look at the challenge that many organizations have of making the transition from traditional to more evidence-based management and empowerment and all of the good stuff that we believe in, one effective way to manage that change is through evolutionary change. And SAFE seems to have figured out um, useful patterns 
both from a commercial perspective as well as change management perspective to actually help you along the way. And, and that's the way I've been using it. I've been using it to help enterprises, to help companies manage that tough change from traditional and opinion-based um, and functional uh, focus and activity-based uh, um, cultures and operating systems to evidence-based management and flow. It's not the typical way that people look at SAFE. Um, it's not the typical, you know, if, if we're honest about it, a lot of people don't look at Scrum as a, an approach towards empiricism. They just look <laughs> at it as a way to micromanage. I, I still remember, and I, you know, uh, I still remember that clients in the early days of me, you know, actually coaching others, uh, he was the VP R&D for a startup in Israel in the project management space, uh, specifically, uh, one of those, um, modern project management tools. And he confided in me saying, I really, really love Scrum. Scrum gives me, you know, a good excuse to micromanage my people. Mm. That's not necessarily the answer that you want to hear from people that are really, really into Scrum, no. but there's a lot of that out there. There's a lot of classic project management and classic you know, management uh, period uh, style um, hiding under the facade of Scrum and, and safe. And my mission is, I don't know, to help um, help evolve some of these people, some of these organizations towards uh, healthier ways of working that actually have more of a chance to, to deliver value. Um, and... You know, the same happens in the OKR space. You mentioned OKRs. OKRs are another management technique that has a lot of potential if you actually include empiricism and empowerment and transparency as part of it. But you see so many organizations that just don't get it. Um, so. I think that what, what I've, you know, I've been working with you now since 2017, Yuval, and and what I really love is that combination of transparency and empiricism outcome. What do we, what do we really, the why, why, why? Those two things, when you apply them to professional Scrum, obviously create or to Scrum creates professional Scrum. It creates that, that, that not only that more effective way of working, but also ultimately delivers more value. You're, you're exactly right though. Scrum can be a great way of telling people what, you know, to work faster. And, um, and I think that's what you experienced that first or early e exposure to Scrum in Israel. Um, so tell me a little bit about the, where you're going with some of these ideas and what really excites you. You know, you, we talked a little bit about scaling. We talked a little bit about OKRs, about flow, but I'm curious as to, what, you know what you're sort of what you're seeing in the market what you're what you're really doing today yeah so another aspect of my journey that helps explain where i'm going is that so over the years um there's this balance between my belief in evolutionary change and being pragmatic um about these ideas on one hand really believing in empiricism empowerment and flow but 
on the other end, not being dogmatic about how to achieve them and at what pace. This has come real useful when um, trying to tackle non-traditional environments for Scrum and Agile um, beyond, you know, software development, whether it's marketing, whether it's um, razors in Gillette, um, whether it's a, a biotech environment where we're not just talking about Scrum in the technology and big data aspects, but also in how to actually change the way the wet lab uh, works and the journey to find the beneficial capsids. That work expanded my view and brought me to the space of OKRs and, um, and entrepreneurial operating system and scaling up. I've been more exposed to how organizations and companies are managing themselves and has opened some interesting opportunities that I'm, you know, exploring for how to actually leverage all of all of our um the pillars of, of Scrum, the, the spirit of Scrum. Um, in those environments. So for example, OKRs, I mentioned OKRs are a framework for alignment. It could be, in, is intended to be used as an operating system for uh, a company that's trying to achieve um, results in the space of uh, uncertainty and aspiring to um, deliver value on bets. But a lot of people, are implementing OKRs like traditional project management. So my mission, you know, right now is to figure out ways to inject um, scrumminess, evidence-based management, agility into how people are implementing uh, OKRs and help them fix or accelerate uh, their OKRs. Uh, similarly, people that are using entrepreneurial operating systems uh, of one sort or the other could also benefit from evidence-based uh, management. And I, most of them aren't even aware of what we have in that space. So that's, that's where I'm trying to play these days. Yeah, it, it, it is kind of interesting that you know, your evolution, your sort of journey um, through um, where you came from, the 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 flow stuff, then the infectation of, of empiricism, and then obviously the scaling ideas, the safe. Uh, um, you're an SPCC. What I, I can never I'm get a safe the fellow and SPCC. Oh, that's it. That's it. I always get confused. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Apologies for that. You're a, you're a fellow, and uh, you know the the way you brought that in. Isn't it interesting that that's led you to the sort of ultimate kind of uh, business uh, uh, challenges of, hey, how do we get clear objectives? How do we build an organization that pursues those objectives with a result bias? And then how do we inspect and adapt that continuously to evolve us to do a better job 
of both understanding the objectives, but also the results that come from that, and then the solution that we delivered to create the results. I think that's an interesting journey that at the end of the day, empiricism, transparency, clearly understood objectives, dealing and then dealing with the challenges of scale, it sort of brings us all to this point where we have to start building empirical organizations at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I mean, when I look at it in retrospect, it almost looks natural, to be honest. I mean, if you look at what we should be doing as true leaders who serve our teams as, you know, uh, scrum masters, if we are good at building effective teams, you know, at some point we'll realize that the impediment is outside the team, that the impediment yeah. is systemic, that in order to achieve flow, we need to look upstream and downstream. We need to figure out the right topology in between teams. We need to tackle some scaling questions, right? And whether it's through safe, large-scale Scrum, Nexus, whatever, it's all about figuring out ways to make collaboration more effective and less needed, to be honest. Um, how yeah. do we create cohesive teams? And at some point, you realize that actually, in order to deliver value, it's not even... Um, you know, just the software or technology that you need to to work on. Um, th there was this uh, orthopedic network um, up in Maine, uh, the good folks at uh, Spectrum Healthcare. And, you know, what we've done there is we've established a team of teams that actually involve people both from technology, so from IT, as well as people that were, you know, uh, clinical um, professionals and finance people and admins and marketers, they were all intermingled on scrum teams and teams of teams and using some, you know, safe practices like big room planning, PI planning, and trying to build business solutions uh, together. And to me, that's a natural evolution. If what you're focused on is delivering value. If what you're focused on is just do Scrum, you won't necessarily get there. If what you're focused is doing things within the confines of your political fiefdom in the organization, within your function, you might not get there. But if you're applying the systemic view and you're really focused on your customers and what they need and creating value, eventually you're getting there. Um, I. I believe that the industry will get there over time. It's just, you know, it's a journey that requires cultural change and political, you know, maneuvering inside organizations. There's a lot of impediments to doing that, but that's what makes it interesting. But you do have to have a clear idea of where you're going and you need that transparency along the way to help you see how you're progressing against that. And I think that's what you bring. And that's what you're focused on, if I'm putting words into your mouth here. Because without those two things, I don't think we will get there as, as, an, as a society, as an industry, as a series of organizations, whatever the, the unit is. I actually think that if we are so concentrating on our fiefdoms and on our areas and trying to optimize these areas, if we don't have that transparency and that clear line of where we're trying to get to, in terms of business outcomes or objectives, if we're using OKRs, 
I don't think we'll ever get there, honestly. And I, I think that ultimately is the thing that excites me about our conversations, because that is the pursuit that I, I'm interested in. Yeah, I, I, I believe this is the future of where we're going. I see a future where it's less about the practices and the mechanics. And they are still important and the skills to... And the skills that are needed for, you know, managing backlogs and owning a product and facilitating effective events and effective teams. All of these are important, but focusing on them too much might actually hurt your transparency towards what's yeah. the bigger problem that, that you're trying to solve. So I, I think we're in for an interesting couple of years of uh, reckoning around what's the focus of the agile movement, of agility. So it's interesting yes. to be on the front lines. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I wrote a blog called Has Agile Stalled really to highlight the fact that I think Agile is about to pivot to be exactly what you're describing, value outcome, whether it's OKRs, whether it's scaling, whether it's flow, whether it's empiricism, whether it's scrum, whatever you call those things, but ultimately that's going to be our focus. And, and it's the outcomes that matter. And it's the ability to build organizations that respond to those outcomes in an effective way. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you're on this journey with me, Yuval. <laughs> and uh, thank you for spending the time. I could talk for hours uh, to you about these topics. Um, thank you for sharing your experiences and your journey to become a professional Scrum trainer. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay, everybody. Well, that was Yuval Yuat talking to us about his journey to become a professional Scrum trainer. You heard uh, how maybe the focus that he's um, applying of these ideas is in the non-traditional spaces, the impact of the empirical process or the infection of the empirical process as he described it a few years ago to his journey and how that's become front and center in his merging of OKRs, SAFE, the ideas of Scrum and the ideas of flow. Um, this has been a Scrum.org community podcast. I'm your host, Dave West. Hopefully you've enjoyed today's conversation. Please listen to future conversations. And there's a great archive of some really interesting talks with uh, PSTs and, and others around the industry about really our journeys that we're all on. Um, thanks, everybody. Scrum on.